Welcome to Career Tools, our guidance on building trust by keeping your word. This cast answers these questions. Why is keeping my word so important? Why is it important to learn to say no? What should I be doing to build trust? Because I think I'm pretty trustworthy. Here we go. Folks, hopefully you've heard by now. We are hosting a brand new Manager Tools conference, the M Conference, October 9th and 10th in Dallas. There are still some seats left. I really want to encourage you to try to attend. One of our speakers is Ananda Panampalan, who is a longtime client and friend of the firm and intends to talk about the future of management from a standpoint of exponential thinking. Things like, okay, what is the future of food and medicine and mobility and energy? What does it mean if we're going to live to 100 or longer when all of our world's systems and algorithms are based on us dying at 80? What does that mean for the world of work? What does that mean for your directs? And also, because Ananda is really smart, what does it mean for our kids, which makes a difference in our lives, that's for sure. I hope to see you October 9th and 10th in Dallas. Join us. It's going to be small. We're going to give you a chance to build your network with the speakers and with other like-minded folks in the room. Uh, come to our website and check out the M Conference. Thanks. Well, Wendy, uh, we're, I'm back for another Career Tools. I come by every once in a while to say hello. And I'm so happy. And I asked to be on this cast because it sounds kind of simplistic to say, well, <laughs> if you want to build trust, you got to keep your word. But there are some things most of us do that work against that. And we think it's okay to do it, but it ends up hurting our trustworthiness. And therefore, how our boss feels about us, how our colleagues feel about us, and that's not good. We're big fans, obviously, of one-on-ones. I was just down in San Diego this past weekend talking to two groups of clients, employees, doing a, a, a two sessions on one-on-ones for the direct to help directs understand what their bosses have been trained on regarding one-on-ones. And look, one-on-ones exist because humans build trust through communication. It's just psychology one-on-one. If you want to build your trust with somebody, you're going to have to strengthen how often and how well you communicate with them. And, you know, it sounds funny. Back 100 years ago, there wasn't any question that when people testified in court, they weren't going to lie because your word mattered. Uh, But our society has evolved in such a way that breaking your word is seen as okay sometimes. So the question is, as a professional, how do you make sure that you keep it and avoid those situations where whether you mean to or not, you're degrading your own trust? And I'm assuming, Wendy, since you're so smart about all things careers and professionalism, you're going to tell us. <laughs> I'm going to try. Actually, with the example that popped into my head when you were talking, which isn't actually in the show notes, is uh, a call that I made I know, a couple of years ago. And I called someone and they said, you always call exactly on time. I was like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. But it's like this trust thing, right? We make all these promises and then we don't do them for whatever good reasons usually. Um, and then people distrust us and doing things like calling on time becomes remarkable when it really shouldn't be. Your point is, is that people say, I'll call you at two and then they call it 205 or 210 and 
Yeah. They think they did what they said they're going to do. And people, even if they don't say it, even if that appears normal, people think, well, he said he'd have it to me at noon today. Yeah, maybe it'll be one o'clock. And you think to yourself, the issue, I think, the problem is the dichotomy, the asymmetry of you thinking I'm trustworthy and the other person having suggestions that you're not. And I would agree. I think that's a good example. I think that's a classic, simplistic, well, not simplistic, but simple example where people would say, no, no, I didn't, you know, I'm trustworthy. You can count on me. But in fact, you can't argue with the person who would say, well, really not. You said you'd call it two and it's 210. And for many people, they wouldn't call two o'clock or 210 a question of incredible precision. They would simply call it a question of, you said the time, and it's not that time. If 210 is okay, what about 230? What about 245? Well, sometime this afternoon, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then you say, no, no, there's a window. Well, what's the window? Maybe my window is tighter than yours. How come you're right? Okay, so good example. I love that one. That puts us in the right frame of mind, I think. Yeah. Uh, so the outline is, let your yes be your yes, and your no be your no, which you might recognize as a quote. Make promises deliberately and carefully. Do what you say you're going to do every day and give advance warning when you're not going to deliver. Yeah, I will tell you, I love number three and number four, uh, particularly because when I hear do what you say you're going to do every day, I know what we're going to talk about, which is don't overpromise. Right. We're not saying don't only do the things you're going, you know, don't only do the things you said you were going to do. You can do more than that, but never say you're going to do something and then not do it. The no's are as important here as the yeses. Yes, exactly. In fact, a good friend of mine, a pastor, Kevin Harney, wrote a book called No is Beautiful. Uh, okay, anyway, sorry, I'm taking over the show. Not nice. That's good. I'm familiar with the quote, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Yep. As we've been giving some examples what happens is we say yes to doing a task or attending a meeting or working late or helping someone out, and we consider it a kind of gentle agreement sometimes rather than an inviolable commitment. And if you consider all the times you say yes and all the times you say no as an inviolable commitment, you start doing what you said you were going to do and people start to trust you. And this phrase, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, is actually a phrase from the Bible, but it's repeated in lots of different texts, religious and otherwise, just because it's so important to say what you're going to do and then do that thing for human relationships, whether you're at work or not. But if you want to progress at work, then being trustworthy and doing what you said you were going to do is really important. Yeah, yeah I, I would say that that um, I've seen some look on people's faces that when I talk about trustworthiness in the field with clients at conferences, I think there's a look in people's eyes that they believe they're imminently trustworthy. But when I switch to saying, you have to do everything you say you're going to do, again, you can over-deliver, but you can't over-promise. They don't seem to connect those two things. They seem to think that, I think it goes back to that phrase that we judge other people by their behaviors, but we judge ourselves by our intent. We had good intent. And so therefore, 
I'm not untrustworthy because I didn't call when I say I did. I'm not untrustworthy because I didn't give you what I promised. I'm not untrustworthy because I didn't come by when you asked me to and I said yes. And as much as it pains us to say it, maybe you can keep the facade of trustworthiness in your head, but you can't argue that somebody else has legitimate concern about you saying things you're going to do and then not doing them. And friendship doesn't necessarily mean I trust you 100%. Or maybe I, quote, trust you, unquote, but I'm aware of your proclivity for not doing or not being what or where you say you're going to do or be. And maybe you think like, oh, I'm not stealing from that person or the company, you yeah. know, I'm not, I'm not talking really smack behind their back or whatever. So, of course, I'm trustworthy, but... But we're saying, I think what we're saying is it's the small things as much as the big things, right? You don't have to be stealing from someone to be still untrustworthy. They cannot trust that you're going to do what you said you were going to do. And that's untrustworthy. Okay. If you think about, you know, if you take yourself out of it and it's not about me, if it was about other people, if I think about when other people have done something or not done what they said they were going to do or done something that's the antithesis of what they said they were going to do, then I can think of the friction and the untrustworthiness, right? If you think about other people's experience, other people's um, behavior towards you, it's easier to see the bad stuff. But every time that happens, there's a little bit of friction in the relationship and the trust is reduced. Yeah, exactly. And, the, you know, companies are made up of people and people trust each other and work gets done because we trust each other. I think, you know, like all the times you go to um, have a service, like you have your hair cut, they cut your hair before you give them the money. You know, they trust you to give them the money. That's how businesses work. And so the more trust there is within a team and a company, the better the team and the company works. And yet there are examples of just the opposite. You have to work for a month in most places before you get paid. That's true. Yeah. And businesses learned that you can't pay people before they work because then they won't come to work. And that's a sad testament. But if, in fact, there was total trust, they'd give you the money beforehand. But it only takes a few to create a behavior that caused a behavior change on the part of the counterparty to say, no, you know, I'd love to trust you, but not yet. Which is one of the reasons why at Manager Tools, we pay at the beginning of the month. And whether you trust the people around you or not, it's always better for you in the long run to take the high road and be the trustworthy person. Even if nobody else around you is doing it, you will have a better career if you can be trusted to do what you say you're going to do. When people talk, I'm not a fan of personal brands, but when people talk about personal brands, part of what they're talking about is trustworthiness, right? I trust this brand, which is a person, to do what they say they're going to do. It's simple as this. Somebody says, ah, he's a great guy, or, you know, she's really smart, or gosh, she's great at managing projects or whatever, but there is a completely different ring and an extra amount of value in somebody saying he or she is money. If they tell you they're going to do it, they do it. You know, I've told people all the time about Mike. If Mike goes in, tells you tomorrow's Christmas, you can get your stocking ready. That's the kind of thing that impacts people. Whoa, so this is this is not a person that I have to worry about. When they meet Mike, the trust factor is so high 
I mean, first of all, it benefits Mike enormously, but it also makes other people want to associate with Mike. And that's what you want other people talking about. And look, if people can't trust you, I know many of you are listening right now and say, well, I am trustworthy. I never really thought about that two o'clock versus 210. I, you know, I, I never thought about saying I'd be there when I, maybe I won't or whatever. But look, if I don't trust you, if I just think, yeah, a lot of times he says he's going to do stuff that he doesn't, you may not get promoted. Your performance may not be, may actually be better than somebody else's. But the fact that they are money, that they are absolutely going to do what they say they're going to do every time, which for a boss means I'm not going to be surprised as often, they may get the promotion. Uh, and you may shake your head and you don't even realize that, no offense, you've been subtly undermining your case by being cavalier with your yeses or your noes. You know, maybe you don't get a project. Maybe it's not a promotion. Maybe it's just a great project or a review that would have led to a pay increase, right? So if you're professional enough and ambitious enough to be listening to us talk to you about your career, one of the things you can start doing right away, and your, re your reputation will change because of it, not in a week, not in a month, but it will make a difference. If you start to follow through on the policy of always keeping your word, and by keeping your word, we mean being when you say, being where you say you're going to be, when you said you were going to be there, doing what you said you were going to do, when you said you would do it, and so on. Yeah. Who do you want to come to your house? The long guy who's brilliant, but only turns up one in three times, or the guy who's okay and comes every week? Right. You want the guy who comes when he says he's going to come. Yeah, that, that, well, yeah, you do. But the opposite feeling of, I don't know if he's going to be here. Well, you know, do I need to get dressed a certain way or should I be in my office or can I finish my chores in the yard, you know, for somebody coming to my house? I mean, that feeling of, I don't know if they're going to come or not. What a waste of energy. Okay, next. Make promises deliberately and carefully. And part of the problem of this whole being trustworthy and, and doing things you say you're going to do is we say yes to things without really listening to ourselves or making a note that we've just promised something. So we're on a conference call and someone says, hey, can you do that by Thursday? And you're like only half listening and you go, yeah, sure. Or, um, you know, there's a there's, you're copied on an email and the person who sent the email has said to the customer, yeah, we'll get that done by Friday. And you don't do anything about saying, hey, there's no way we could do that by Friday. Like, you're going to get it on Tuesday. And if you don't say no, then everyone assumes that you've said yes. Or you get a meeting invite and you just click yes because you're not really concentrating and then you find you're double booked and then you've said yes that you'll go and you'll be there and you'll contribute and you're not there. So we have to pay attention to what we're actually agreeing to or not agreeing to. And, you know, you hear it all day long, like people are like, oh, I'm sorry, I double booked myself, I can't be there. Or, you know, oh, I had so much work to do, I couldn't do the thing I promised you. Or, I, uh, you know what, I had so much on my desk, I just forgot that I was supposed to be doing that. And you can get away with it once or twice, but if you develop a reputation for not doing those things or not doing what you promised, then your reputation starts to affect all of the other things that go on at work. If you are a disc, if you know we enjoy the 
use and utilize and teach the DISC method of behavioral preferences. And if you're a high I or a high S, that means you're a people person. And to some degree, you're a people pleaser. And if you're wondering how the yes and no thing comes down, what you tend to do is immediately say yes to please people in the moment. And then you may or may not be able to follow through. We recommend the opposite. The default answer ought to be no. And then if you do deliver, so much the better. Saying yes and then not going is far worse than saying no and then going is good. In other words, one is minus 10. The other one is plus two. And half the people in the world have a tendency to overpromise and underdeliver. And yet the people who are really trusted, I know you think you're trustworthy, but we're, we're, we're talking about it in the mind of your counterparty here. Um, you tend to be trusted less because you tend to say, yeah, and then you don't do it and you feel guilty, but you trust that the relationship carries you through. Well, one of the ways to have stronger relationships is say no and then deliver even so, or say, no, you can't come to the party, but show up anyway. Not if it's an RSVP though, because if you're an RSVP, no, you can't, you can't go. I know that's old fashioned, but you know, in some places, etiquette and, and, uh, uh, manners still matter. That whole we forgot or our workload or what I think is the humble brag. I'm sorry, I was double booked. And and if you promise yes and then don't deliver, your yes means yes and yes. It is the boy who cried wolf. It's the fable. I'm pretty sure that's a fable, right? It is. He keeps crying wolf because he thinks, he thinks, he thinks. And when there finally is a wolf, the town doesn't come to save the herd and kill the wolf because... He said yes so many times that they no longer believe him. And every time you say yes and don't follow through, the yes loses power because it can't be trusted, right? But actually, it, it's counterintuitive. But if you say no when you're not going to do something, that actually gives your yeses more power because when you say yes, it's actually going to happen. And we're not talking about saying no to your core work or your core job or, you know, stuff you're supposed to be doing. We're talking about stuff that's extra or outside of getting your real job done. Yeah, don't go around saying no to your boss to increase your trustworthiness. That's not what we mean. But look, that means we have to pay more attention to our words and actions. If you're asked, can you get something done by Thursday, you double check. If you're not sure, say, I don't know, but I'll go back and check and I'll let you know when I can do it by. Okay, before you send an email that says, yeah, I'll get that done, make sure you mean it. That yes is, I'll give my life for this. That's the kind of standard we, we find that really high-performing, high-trusted, high-trustworthiness folks put to it. I'm not going to say yes, and yet, unless I'm 100% sure. Um, now, look, we said it, I said it before. We know you don't want to hurt your feelings. But if you say yes and then don't follow through, if there's a disconnect between what we say and what we do, people's feelings are going to get hurt. And you can either hurt them now or you can hurt them later, or you can simply avoid hurting them at all. And if you're a people person, I wouldn't know why you'd want to say yes, knowing secretly you're not sure. I don't want to hurt them now because you're affecting your trustworthiness and trust is a huge part of all your relationships. If you don't trust somebody, if gradually your trust of someone goes down, 
um, you're going to spend less and less time with them. So you're being penny wise and pound foolish. Um, you're going to wait until later and pay a much bigger bill by saying yes and then not following through. You know, we get it backwards, basically what what happens. Yeah, we want to say, uh, we say yes now, which is a small positive. And then when we don't turn up, there's a big negative. Whereas you could have the small negative and never get to the big negative. And the other thing that people do sometimes is um, they want to impress their boss or someone else with the, with their hustle, with their enthusiasm, with their um, energy, all of those things. And then they, so they say yes to more than they can do. And then they fail to deliver. And, you know, there's lots of career advice that says you have to put the hours in and you have to get the experience and you have to network like a man and you have to impress everybody, which is all true to some extent, but not true if the outcome of all of that energy is a failure. I would say for, for those of you who are uh, perhaps less experienced, I don't think I'm supposed to say younger, but let's just say it. I think if you're 22, you're not only less experienced than somebody who's 35, you're also younger. And in my experience, I was less experienced when I was younger. So we'll lump those two groups together. This idea of building trust by keeping your word is part of the transition to adulthood. When you're young, there's parties, movies, game nights with friends, all at the same time, particularly on weekends. Where Mike and I went to school, there was no fun to be had, but most kids go to uni, go to college, and, you know, there's a lot going on on the weekends. I, I, I'll never forget talking to a kid. I said, hey, what's school like? And this is a Thursday. He says, oh, I'm, I'm off for the weekend. I said, no classes Friday? He says, oh, no, nobody. Only the kids who register late have classes on Friday. All my classes are between 10 and 2 on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, Thursday. Professors don't want to teach. Kids don't want to go to class on Friday. And I was chuckling because this is years ago, but I went to class on Friday and we went to class on Saturday morning. And that just means there's a lot to do on the weekends. And hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, you know, you find out that people promise to go and then don't go. Or hey, we're going to go here. And so you decide, ah, I've got a better offer. And you don't think to yourself, wait, I said I would go there. And I didn't. Ah, it's no big deal because everybody does it, right? And if you're young, the younger you are, the more you are given leeway to make those kind of promises and then not follow through. But the opposite of that is true. The older you get, the more you're expected to do what you say you're going to do and be where you say you're going to be. If you take the work for that, that habit into the workforce and, wow, there's a lot to get done, so I'm going to double or triple book myself, you're going to be hurting your reputation. You're going to create reputational risk for yourself. And people are going to start not trusting you when you say you're going to do four things and only do one. And you can write it off to, I didn't know how much work there was, but not forever. And if you're thinking, and this is one of the problems with bosses not giving feedback, not talking about performance often enough, if you're thinking the fact that people don't say anything to you about it means you've gotten away with it, you're mistaken. Because the damage we do to our own trustworthiness is a silent killer. If your boss is not going to give you feedback about missing a deadline, he's also not going to give you feedback about the fact that he's losing trust in you, he's losing faith in you, he's losing respect for you because 
you say you're going to do things and you don't. And he's already promised what you said you were going to do to his boss. And now you've made him look bad just because you didn't keep your word, just because you learned at uni that it's okay to promise to do things and then not do them. Yeah, you get that habit and then you take it into the workforce and all of a sudden that kind of, oh, I may be there, I may not, depends on how I feel, becomes a real problem. Yeah. So if you're uncertain, say no. And then pay attention to how often you have that feeling of, I said I'd do something and then I didn't. And paying attention to what you say and then what you did is part of developing wisdom. And as you deliver everything you say you're going to deliver by building respect from others and trust, you're going to be able to, as you grow, you'll be able to do more and more. People will count on you more. That feeling of being counted on will raise your ability to get more things done. It feels better to do the things you say you're going to do than the guilt of saying to yourself, I didn't do it, but I hope nobody noticed. Mm Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be there by close of business on Friday, but Monday morning is the same thing, right? <laughs> Even to yourself, it's not. Yeah, I was here at 6 on Friday. The boss had already left, so apparently what he needed from me today was not that big a deal, so he doesn't need it. On, if he doesn't need it now, he doesn't need it on the weekend, so I got until Monday. And it's a recipe a recipe for disaster because all you do is like push your work forward and forward and forward until all of a sudden you have a mountain that you're never going to get over. Yeah, and as well in this, you need to make sure that what you're saying yes to or what you're saying no to is clear to both people. You made an agreement to do something, be so- somewhere, get something done, and it's not clear uh, what you agreed to. For instance, you're you're told that the company will pay you once a month And that amount will be one-twelfth of the amount we've agreed to for the year. If once a month actually means every 30 days using January 1st as the first day, we'll soon be out of work, out of sync with the calendar. And if you don't know this when you're starting your career, you'll be crossed because... There'll be no money in your account when you think there should be money in your account, right? Yeah. You know, at Manager Tools, once a month means on the 25th of the month. And so people use the same words innocently, but they mean different things. And it's not intentionally designed to mislead you or harm the relationship, but it can. Wendy, tell them the story about your friend. So my friend, who was quite innocent, uh, went to work at a company and it was his first job after college. And for some reason, unknown to me, he decided that it was okay for him to leave the building and walk around the block. He was gone for like 10 minutes at a time. Uh, every morning and every afternoon. You know, he saw other people leaving, he saw things happening, and so he thought that was fine. And then he was very surprised when he was fired because him leaving the building for 10 minutes in morning and afternoon was not part of the agreement that the company thought that he they had made with him and he'd never asked, he'd never told anyone where he was going. And so they just thought, oh, well, he doesn't, you know, he's not... He's not um, He's not focused. He's not attentive. He's not reliable. He doesn't want to be here. Yeah. Would you hire somebody who said, I'm not focused. I'm not attentive. I'm not reliable. Would you argue that if you took walks two or three times a day for 10 minutes and nobody could get in touch with you, would you argue that the person who was experiencing that could say, well, maybe I'm not so sure how focused, how reliable this person is. You could say, 
I am reliable, but you couldn't argue that the person who was experiencing it and couldn't get a hold of you and couldn't get things done and you weren't at the meeting, that they would say, well, you're less reliable and less professional than others who don't do that. That's the problem. It's we want to be evaluated based on our intent, but other people have to judge us based on our behavior and we behave and that they get the opportunity isn't, isn't freedom a wonderful thing. Isn't diversity a wonderful thing that they have the opportunity to draw a conclusion? You may disagree with their conclusion, but probably if they went to a third party, the third party would say, no, that's a reasonable conclusion. You may not like it, but that's the problem. You know, everybody, every time his boss turned around to ask him something, he wasn't there. <laughs> like, well, you might. As, why am I paying you not to be here? You might as well not be here and not paid for. Like, It makes perfect sense from the boss's point of view. It just, you know. I don't know quite why he thought it was different, but he did. Well, I can tell you why. Because he was reading in, at, at college or university, and and uh, he read stories about people who took walks to clear their minds, to think clearly, to come up with that great in, in, invention. You know, there are not books and articles and stories told about people going through the humdrum day of work life. They're not. The stories are written about Steve Jobs and his habit of making people wait for an hour while he went for a walk just to think because it was important to him. Everyone else had to be on time for his meetings, but he didn't have to be on time for theirs. Don't get me wrong, folks. I love what Steve Jobs did for Apple and for his passion for quality and beauty it has improved my life enormously. But those are the stories you read, right? And the problem is you're not Steve Jobs. Yeah. Only Steve Jobs is Steve Jobs. Podcasts are excellent for listening to whilst you're doing something else. Driving, mowing the lawn, working out, all of these are good activities for podcasts. The downside is that unlike reading a book, you can't bookmark a certain part, highlight it, or easily find it later. Licensees don't have that problem. They have access to the show notes for every cast, a white paper with everything that was said, and a quick way to find the right cast when you remember the most tenuous link. They even have access to the show notes on their phone for always their retrieval. Have Manager Tools in your pocket. Sign up for a personal license. Go to manager-tools.com and type hashtag license in the search bar. Okay, do what you say you're going to do every day. It sounds so easy, but we wouldn't be talking about it if it didn't happen or if it wasn't that people didn't do this. So if you say you're going to call someone back, Call them back. If somebody leaves a voicemail and they say, hey, can you call me back? I need to talk about X, Y, and Z. Call them back. Don't just leave the voicemail for three days. Not that I'm thinking of anyone in particular. If you say you're going to pay someone as a company at a certain time, pay them. Be at work on time and, and don't leave for random reasons anytime you want without telling, you know, even if you have a good reason for not being at your desk, if especially early in your career, that's where your boss expects you to be. So if you're not going to be there, then he has to know why. And then you have to have a reasonable explanation other than I just felt like some fresh air. Um, people notice when we call on time, when we email, when we say we're going to do, when we actually send the document right after the meeting, and they value that trustworthiness. They value that they can count on us to do what we say we're going to do. If you say, oh, keeping your word, 
we think of all the grand gestures, right? We think of like being in court or the Pledge of Allegiance or the Hippocratic Oath. We think of marriage vows, you know, all the things, the big things. But actually, it's all the little things that you do every day that builds people's trust in you and their confidence that they can count on you. Yeah, that's the key. Your reputation exists in other people's mind. And the big part of that is their confidence. Not that you're awesome, but that you will do the little things, the thousand little things that make up awesomeness all the time. And you don't control your reputation. You influence it, but you don't control it. And I think too many people are looking to hit home runs and be impressive when, in fact, impressiveness is in the mind of someone else. And it's best built one brick at a time rather than magically snapping your fingers and having a house appear. I'm trying to think who it was that told me. The definition of professional is doing what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, whether you want to or not, without debate. And what that means is start reeling back in the number of times you say yes. Or if you say yes, you know, your work will expand to fill <laughs> the time you're willing to give it. Uh, if you say it's going to be there Monday morning and it's Friday afternoon and you're going home, you're working over the weekend. Simple as that. And And it's fine if you don't work over the weekend, but that means then that you don't promise something first thing Monday morning. And it's also not only doing the thing you said you were going to do, but doing it the way you said you were going to do it. So like, if you call a meeting, you have to have an agenda and you start and finish on time. That's part of the promise of a meeting. And there's a million people listening going, that's not how meetings work in our company. But part of the promise of a professional meeting is that it starts on time, finishes on time and has an agenda. You're taking other people's time and they're, and so you should be using it judiciously, wisely, uh, without wasting it. You know, if you tell your boss you're working from home, then you have to be working from home and not sitting on the sofa watching Netflix. Yes, sure, our brains need a rest now and again, but working means not reading Reddit and Facebook and yep. whatever you're reading at work. I saw something the other day that said like 30% of people's time at work is on social media. Like, there's only 3% of the population who's a social media manager. What are the rest of the people doing? Yeah, I, I will say this, though. I have seen lately several references to social media, and it included email. No. I'm not kidding. And you can make an analytical case for that, right? It's a technical media, and it's for social communication. Look, I'm not saying I agree with it. I do think they're moving the goalposts, but... That said, I don't think you need to include email in that to get to 30%. Now, it's not true for people who are making $150,000 a year or something like that. That's not true for a director at a publicly traded company. But I think there are a lot of people unengaged at work and they're getting away with it. Or people are sitting at meetings and checking their laptop, checking their phone, and they argue that they're working, but in fact, they're not. Okay, last item. Give advance warning when you're not going to deliver. I'll, I have a confession to make, folks. I routinely, in virtually any meeting around manager tools, internal meetings, not client meetings, not, not our Friday morning operations meeting or our pre-conference call or whatever, but I feel completely comfortable sending a text five or 10 minutes before and say, I'm going to be 10 or 15 minutes late. If it's just me and one other person, 
I do it fairly regularly. I'm on the phone a lot. I need to get something done. And I've checked the other person's calendar and they don't have a hard stop. And so I ask, and admittedly, because, I, because I'm the boss, my asking generally gets a yes, but I don't feel I'm late if I text five minutes before and say, I'm going to be five minutes late. I don't. Now, I have in the past, I try, I've been trying to do it better, said, hey, can I be five minutes late? And then I'm 10 minutes late. And then, of course, I know that worry creeps into people's heads. Well, how long did he mean? And is he just to take advantage of being the boss? But I will tell you, it happens. And you're going to miss a deadline. And I can tell you, every boss in the world would say, look, I know you're going to miss deadlines, but guy, gosh, you do too. And you know you're going to miss it before you're going to miss it. Just send me a text. I will wash you clean. I will absolve you of missing if you'll just let me know so I can adjust what I'm doing. And people just won't do it. And all the people that are, you know, complaining about over-communication, there's too many ways to communicate. I could text them, I could Slack them, I can email them. Oh, guess what? You could do all that stuff to tell someone that you're not going to deliver and, and just make that stuff into positives. And, you know, sometimes you're forced to break your word. Sometimes you're forced to, you know, you're sick or something happens or a customer needs you or whatever. And all you got to do is tell people that you're not going to deliver, apologize and tell them when you will get it to them. And it's almost better than delivering it in the first place. Not that we want to use that as a get out clause of doing it right in the first place, but the people who apologize, give someone the heads up and then do what they say they're going to do, you know, the second time around, get more credit almost for, for failing. Yes, and for showing respect for the other person, which absolutely affects other people's perception of your reputation. Wow, you were courteous enough, you were respectful enough of me to take some some embarrassment to admit your wrongdoing, probably too strong a word there, that you weren't going to be where you said you were, do what you say you're going to do. You respect me enough to Take one for the team to have a rep, slight reputational hit. And the fact that you're willing to do that means actually your reputation went up in my mind. So, gosh, I didn't think this would be much, that much fun, but it was it pretty was. fun. Do what yeah. you say you're going to do. Or as Robert E. Lee said, and for those of you who don't know, if you're a licensee of our work, giving you access to all of our show notes historically for the past 14 years plus the next year's worth, plus a host of other benefits. You also get my weekly email, Things I Think I Think, which surprisingly is incredibly popular. And I say surprisingly because we didn't expect it to be that good. And in Things I Think I Think this week, I made a point about duty. And I quoted Robert E. Lee, duty then is the sublimest word in the English language. You should do your duty in all things. You can never do more. You should never wish to do less. That's a good thought to end on. Your word is your bond, which means when you give your word, you've said, I will do my duty. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Bye, everyone.